the positioning of the body of Christ is so very vital to the progression of the fulfillment of end time and last day events, the positioning of the body of Christ. We can talk about end time revival all we want to, but if we're not intentional about seeing end time revival, we can we can talk about, well, man, it's going to be great. The latter house should be greater than that of the former. And there's going to be a harvest like the world has never seen. And I, and I agree that there is going to be something that God is going to do that is so unique and sovereign that no generation has ever seen it. I, I get that. But he has to have his people positioned to be participants in that. And that starts really not collectively. It starts individually. And so every person has to take personal responsibility for their position in the body of Christ. And, and that goes down to devotion. That goes to devotion and dedication, sanctification, and a, and a spiritual walk with God. Spiritual authority is, is based on spirituality. You, you can't be carnal and say you have spiritual authority. It's based on spirituality. And spiritual authority is, is something not given by man, but it is appointed by God. You can't be elected to a place of spiritual authority. It is appointed, and I'm preaching already. I'll read my text here in a moment, but you need to hear me tonight. It is appointed by God, and it is, it is not given by man. Spiritual authority is also based on the humble, obedient condition of man. Humble, obedient condition of man. We have to be right in our spirit. We have to be positioned right in our spirit. We have to have a right spirit. We have to be in alignment with the things of God. Are you hearing me tonight? And if you're going to have spiritual authority, you must be sanctified from the crowd. You got to be sanctified from the crowd. Somebody say, oh, well, you just think you're holier than everybody. No, I just like to be holier than the crowd. I just don't, I, I just want, I want something that the crowd is not getting. Does that make you better than the crowd? No, but it may make me hungrier than the crowd. So spiritual authority means that you must be sanctified from the crowd. If you look at the life of Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Lord was never proud. The Lord Jesus was never proud, therefore he never needed humility. Humility wasn't something that he gained or something that he earned. That was his spirit. He was never proud, so he never needed humility. He didn't need to be restrained from sin because he was sinless. He he knew no sin. There was no restraining him from sin because his spirit was in alignment, alignment with the Father. And so the spirit is, is made holy by the Holy Ghost, but the flesh is made holy by the process of sanctification, the cutting away of the things of the flesh and the carnal mind and things, things that prevent us from being positioned with the Lord. He who is sanctified is God's person. He who is not sanctified is common. He who is sanctified is God's person. But he who is not sanctified is a common person. Sinful spiritual leaders were critical of Christ. The rulers of the Jews and the hierarchy of the Sanhedrin, they were critical of him for eating with sinners because for them it was unlawful uh, for them. But for him... 
their worldly influence was not going to trump his holiness. And that's what happens when you get into position. I'm going somewhere with this because the purpose of God and the main, the main intention of God is to reach the lost of this world. And he can't do it with people that are out of position. He can't do it with people that have their own agenda. He can't do it with people that are just looking to hold a microphone all the time, but they're not in cooperation with the body of Christ. They're out of sync with the body of Christ, but they think they have something to say. Amen. God needs every person. Am I making sense tonight? I know you don't think I'm preaching because I had not read my text yet, but I'm preaching. Amen. The, the positioning, the positioning, and that you can't be in position without, without submission, and you can't be in position without being underneath authority you can't you have to be accountable you have to be accountable and so and so there are also things like loneliness loneliness is a mark of authority loneliness is a mark of authority now just because you feel lonely doesn't mean you have a spiritual authority but people of spiritual authority God calls them to a road of loneliness geese geese fly in flocks but eagles fly alone Sparrows fly low, but eagles fly high. It's important how you see yourself. You're just trying to be busy in the body of Christ. You're just trying to get somebody to listen to you. Or do you truly want to be a part of something that is magnanimous, that is going to turn this world on its, on its ear? Everybody say, I don't want to be common. I don't want to be common. The opposite of holiness is commonness, not sin. Common in the scripture, the Bible called it common. Peter would not partake of the things that were seen in the vision on the sheet. The voice of the Lord said, Rise, Peter, slay and eat. He said, I, I can't eat those things, God, they're common. He said, Call not thou common what the Lord has sanctified, what he has purified. And so I don't want to be, I don't want to be common. Are you listening to me tonight? And so think people that are going to be close to him cannot be careless. We, we have to be intentional. We can't, just, we can't just be close to him, get into the deep things of God, live a careless lifestyle, just kind of flippantly serving God. Are you all here tonight? These are, these are some of the things that I, I want to talk to you tonight, and I'm going to use the life of Moses um, in an illustration because I, I want to be like, Moses, I don't want to be like Aaron and Miriam. I want to be like Moses. I don't want to be like Nadab and Abihu who offered strange fire to God because they looked at the holy things of God and just thought they were common. I don't want to desanctify and I don't want to bring down to my level the, the holy things, the holy things of God. And so we go through a, a sequence of of seasons in our life from preparation to revelation to participation. We go from preparation to revelation to participation. Now, there's a lot more preparation than we believe. There is preparation. Are you here tonight? Out of Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1, I think all of this will make sense here in just a few moments here. I, would, I just wanted to throw out a few nuggets for you to kind of wrap your mind around that. Now, if you came tonight uh, just just to come to church, you're probably going to miss this message here. I'm not I'm not into trying to preach you into a frenzy or 
um, just kind of get up here and scream for a while or whatever. I prayed that the Lord would impart something deep to us in this place tonight. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. He said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. That is a contrast from what we will read chapters forward where Moses is saying show me your glory and God is the one saying no 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 you can't because no one has seen my glory and live but here Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon him and the Lord said I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters for I know their sorrows And I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto the good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey. None of the place of the Canaanites and all those ites. Next verse. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is coming to me and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest Bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? That that is in stark contrast to the people that are salivating to get in ministry. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. And I believe... As we will see here tonight, because Moses had a clear sense of who God was, and because of that, he had a clear sense of what God was capable of doing and how daunting the task would be, and he had been through some stuff. It had knocked a bunch of stuff out of him. That's how you know you're ready for ministry. When you start saying, God, I, I, I I think you chose the wrong guy. Not God, I need a microphone. He said, certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. Now, I'm almost done. I'm going to let you be seated. But I think this is a little unfair. There's a colon here. And he said, this is the token. This is how you're going to know that I called you. (laughs) Watch this. He said, when thou hast brought forth... The people out of Egypt. (laughs) After I've done through you what I'm calling you to do, that's how you're going to know I called you. (laughs) Not before. (laughs) The token I'm going to give you is everything I'm going to tell you is going to come to pass and you shall serve God again 
in this mountain. When you get back to this mountain the next time, you're going to know that I called you. How about a little bit more evidence on this side of ministry, God? But I want to preach to you tonight from the thought exile to exodus. Exile to exodus. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your loving kindness and grace. Would you pray with me right now? Thank you, Lord, for hungry people and worshipers and people of God that that love you, Lord, sincerely serving you. God, we turn our hearts towards you. We pray that you would minister in this place to every heart and mind. In the name of the Lord God, I pray that you would help us, give us revelation, Lord, and help us to hear the voice of God in this place. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You'll stay with me. For a little bit. Y'all can stay with me if I'm not hollering, right? You can relax, but don't get too chill. In Egypt, Moses' tenure there ended when he killed an Egyptian. He's not the only one that we read in scripture of mighty men that have fallen mightily and have made tremendous errors and mistakes. But you can only imagine. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands for anybody that has ever killed anybody because you just never know who's in church. But he killed a man. He ended a man's life. It, it doesn't matter how, how much good he thought he was doing. He killed a man. It doesn't matter how, how right that he thought it was or how moral that he thought it was. He killed him. And he didn't just kill him. He buried him. He just buried him in the sand. He just dug a hole and just, I mean, it's like a mob mafia mentality. He just killed him and buried him. That's not something that righteous people do. And yet God, God knew him from the very beginning, his whole birth. And I won't go through all that, but that was miraculous. And his upbringing was miraculous. And he was called. God had a purpose for him from the time that he was born. But he killed a man. He killed a man. And when it was known, the Bible said that he, he fled. And so we know that. During that season of his life, at least that final moment. Now, we don't know how many gross errors and injustices that Moses may have committed before that. The Bible only records the one that caused him to flee from Israel or from Egypt. And he fled. And we know that he was operating in the flesh. It was what his flesh wanted to do. And so he, he left there. And he went to the land of Midian, and I don't, I don't want to bore you with all these details, but he was there, and, and he, was going, he was going to be tested of God. Now, we don't read any details, per se, about the 40 years that he spent in the land of Midian, but suffice it to say, he was being tested. He was being tried. It was preparation. Preparation. Now, I want to make this part right here just as simple as I can make it. 
Is that all right? You cannot do what you're not prepared for. You just can't. And God has a unique way of training us to fulfill his purpose. Now, now we see it as the, as the attack of the devil. It's always the devil's fault. Boy, I got quiet right there. It's always the devil's fault. But a lot of it is the process of God preparing us for things we have not even received direction for yet. Now, he he didn't tell Moses when he was 10 years old. Now, listen, son. When you turn to 80, you're going to lead my people out of this place. He didn't tell him that. He didn't tell him when he was 21 or 30 or 40. He didn't tell him when he was leaving Egypt, hey, I know you killed a man, but just keep your chin up. 40 years from now, you're going back in. It's going to be a great victory. He didn't tell him any of that. There was no call that Moses knew of. Think about that. There was, there was no mandate from God. Moses had no knowledge of what was coming in the future. It's very easy to just kind of settle down in the routine of life. Tending sheep on the backside of the desert somewhere. And you think that no progress is being made in your life. The Holy Ghost is going to help some people in this place tonight. It just, nothing's happening. Nothing's. Because we're clamoring for position. And we're clamoring for raises and a bigger house and a nicer car and success and ministry and a microphone and all that kind of stuff. And I want to sing and play and I want my name and lights and that stuff. And none of us ever, have ever felt that way. But that's what the flesh would feel if you'd let it. And we're just going through the routines of life and nothing's really happening. But I wonder just, I'm not saying this for a response, but I wonder just 10 years down the road what lies ahead of you or 20 years or even 30 years or 40 years or 50 years down the road. Because usually we get 50 and sliding for home. We turn 60 and we think everything's over. We're looking for a vacation spot and a second home. And God says, I, I, I'm not done, Moses. You, you, you think that you're just, just kind of going through the routines of life. But what you don't realize is you are in my crucible. You are in my preparation. You are in my autoclave. You are in this place where things I'm melding, I'm molding, I'm shaping, I'm cutting, I'm, I'm teaching, I'm instructing, I'm developing, I am pouring into you. And you don't even realize what's going on. Moses has no clue. He's 80 years old. He's not a novice, Pastor Jackson. He's not a novice. He is, he is 80. I mean, the dude's 80. He's 80. He's not, he's not 16. He's 80. Like, in, in his mind, he's thinking, what, what could possibly be more exciting for me in my life than tending sheep? I mean, this is the apex of everything. I mean, I don't have to be in Egypt anymore. They've, they hunted me for me for years. Praise God. I got enough anointing. I'm flickering the lights right now. But there's stuff. There's nothing. There's nothing really recorded in the Bible. There's nothing going on. But can I tell you right now that in the biggest laws of your life, God is preparing you. He's preparing you. My goodness, I feel something in this place. He's preparing. But we're in a hurry. We're in a hurry. Life is passing us by. Things are moving at breakneck speed, and I have no direction. I don't know where to go. What do I mean? I don't, I'm not important, and 
Nobody even knows who I am. I got to hurry up. I got to hurry up and succeed because if not, my followers on Instagram are going to drop and people are going to forget about me. And all. You, you know what I'm telling you? I got a prophetic word before the, right before the Lord brought me to this place. I was in Ethiopia on a bus headed to war, the crusade and war. And a man of God turned around to me on that bus and this is what he said. He said, God is about to take you to a city of just over a million people. He said, you're going to take a hurting church that should have closed its doors and God's going to give you revival from day one and you're going to see more people in the first year get the Holy Ghost than they have seen in the history of their church and he said he started going down the line and all that he said but you hear me you're going to fight it because you're afraid people will forget you <laughs> sorry sometimes God gets honest with you I didn't admit it, but in my mind, yeah, I've been traveling for seven years. Yeah, man, we're, it's rolling. It's, man, it's, it's on fire. We're moving. We're here. We're there. We're going here. That, you know, God's doing this. God's doing that. I'm ready for the next revival. But I'm telling you, when I came off of that trip and I got in my next revival, it was six weeks and God filled, I don't know, God filled, I think it was 85 people with the Holy Ghost up in Muncie, Indiana. But when I left Muncie, Indiana, and I went from Columbus to Columbus, Ohio, to Brother Jim Starks to pray, preach, I got up and I preached the first week. It was okay. I got, and it wasn't their fault, it was my fault. But I got up the second week and I stood in the pulpit. And when I looked out over the crowd, I knew this is it. I'm done. It's over. I'm done. I told my wife that night, I said, it's, it's over. She said, what's over? I said, whatever we've been doing for the last seven years, it's over. It's done. She said, what do you, I don't understand what you're talking about. What, what do you mean it's over? I said, I don't know. All I know is when I walked to the pulpit, whatever has been there for the last seven years was gone. I looked out across that people, and it was like I had never seen a revival before. She said, what are we going to do? I said, we're going we're gonna to hitch up the, the trailer, and we're going to pull down. A jet. The revival was supposed to go on. We went all the way down to Jackson, Mississippi. I called Brother Dylan, and I said, look, I'm coming. I just need your RV hookup. I don't need a check. I don't need you to check on me. I don't need you to buy me a meal, buy me groceries or nothing. I just need your prayer room until I get an answer from God. And for the next 20, 21 days, it was me and God and her alone in that prayer room and that prayer meeting and fighting what I believe was the prince of this city at that time. And when I came out of that prayer room on that 21st day, the phone rang from Dan Mitchell in Columbus, Ohio, Columbus, Indiana. And he said, there's a church in New Albany just north of Louisville. They'd like for you to come preach. I said, I'll be there. He said, you what? I said, I'll be there. It was Friday. I said, I'll drive up tomorrow and I'll be there. He said, man, are you sure? I said, yeah, I've been waiting on this call right here. And all I can tell you, I never saw it coming until it came. I never saw that it was going to happen until it happened. I never knew anything was about to change until it changed. I, I didn't know anything that God had planned, but way down the road, God said, I'm preparing a church, I'm preparing a city, I'm preparing a man, and when I get the man prepared, we're going into that place, and we're going to be hell's worst nightmare. Do you hear me tonight? God is about to do something in your life, even when it seems like nothing is happening. And so Moses was acting in the flesh and he had no authority. He had no authority, no authority. And the next 40 years would be years of testing, testing, learning lessons. 
And after 40 years of trials and 40 years of education and 40 years of Hard Knocks University, he was given revelation at the burning bush. This is this process of preparation, revelation, and then participation. And he took off his shoes. You're walking on different soil now, Moses. I know that you've passed by this bush before. I know you stood on the same ground before. But I have changed the ground now. I have changed the soil. I have anointed this place. This is my sanctuary right now between you and I. I'm about to take you to a place and show you things about me and tell you about you and give you a revelation of yourself that you've never had before. Is that okay? So that encounter at the burning bush brought a revelation about God that Moses had never had. After 80 years, that encounter brought to Moses a revelation of himself. And his revelation was, I'm not qualified. And until you get to the place where you realize you are not qualified for ministry then you are not ready for ministry. If you think you are qualified for ministry, God's still got some work he needs to do on you. Because the ministry that God is calling us to, especially in this end time hour, is bigger than we can ever comprehend. Now, we can come in here and we can turn on our lights and we can have our music. And they're powerful and anointed and excellent and first class. And I love our worship team and all. And we can do everything that we do. But we can also do it without the mandate of God and without being prepared. And pray selfish prayers and worried about what he hasn't done yet. Worried about our promise that hasn't come to pass yet. Worried about our ministry that's not flourishing. Or some of us in this place can say, God, we see it. We understand it. We've come to the place where we prayed it so long we realize we just are not qualified. So if you don't mind, we're going to give you our excuses so you realize I, I, you know what? Hey, you can pick on Moses all you want to about his lack of self-confidence but it was exactly that that God saw and said, that's what I need to hear. I need somebody that'll tell me that they can't do it with their talent and their ability so I can anoint them. I need somebody that don't know how to bring a plague upon Egypt so I can do it and get the glory. Oh, would somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. I'm just teaching tonight. Clap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise. His, his, lack, his lack of eloquent speaking, he would learn, listen to me, his lack of eloquent speaking, he would learn, would not hinder God's work through him. It is the Exactly the things we believe that God won't use are the things that he will use. Well, you can't use me because I'm, you know, I, man, I'm this, I'm, I'm that. And God says, I, I know, I know, but I've been working on you for the last 40 years on the backside of the desert. So you would realize your inadequacy without me. I, I need somebody to appreciate fully what am I about to do? Am I, am I making sense here tonight? And so he was given a mandate. And mandates don't come without authority. And authority is not given without purpose. And I preached about that last Sunday night when I talked about the anointing. So he perceived the authority. He perceived the authority. The revelation was the authority because he said, when I go into the land of Egypt, who do I tell them sent me? God said, I am. 
that I am. Brother Urson talked about that in our MIT class. He said, not, not I am that I am, but I am that I am. I'm that one. I'm that I am. I, I'm, the, I'm the I am that your mother told you about. Oh, I got oh, I got to hold on right now. I, he said, who do, I, who do I tell them sent me? I mean, is there, I mean, I mean, do you have a, is there, is there some kind of credentials that you can send with me? Is there a certificate I need with this or a license? I need a vaccine card or what? Who, who do I tell them sent me? He said, I am that I am. I'm that I am. I, I don't know if he was exactly telling him to tell Pharaoh those words so much that he was revealing that to Moses. Quit worrying about who you're going to tell them sent you and get a revelation that I am that I am. I'm that I am. You, you, you think you need credentials. My God, have mercy. I can't. You think you need credentials? Go, go. You, you got to have so many followers. You, you think you got to have popularity. You, you think you got to have the approval. Do you think I need Pharaoh to listen to you? I don't need Pharaoh to listen to you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to harden his heart. But in the end, I'm going to have the last say. And I am going to be that I am. And Moses, you need to realize it ain't about you. It's about me. And so he showed Moses the transition of authority. He showed him the transition of authority. What's that in your hand, Moses? It's a rod. He said, throw it down. Comes a serpent, picks it back up. The rod of Moses hit the ground. But when he picked it back up, it was the rod of God. The transition of authority happens in the moment of the timing of God and the purpose of God and the will of God. But for 80 years, my God, please get this. For 80 years, he never saw it coming. He never saw it after it. We don't have evidence that Moses ever prayed for it. My God, Moses at the age is like, happy birthday, Moses. I need you to come see me over here by this bush. And something happened at the age of 80. Can I get somebody to realize it may be just around the corner and you don't even know it's coming. God, God is about to, mm, he's about to show somebody the transition of authority in your life. I'm sorry I'm boring you here tonight. I, there, there is a moment that is coming. I don't know when it is, uh, but some of you think that you're just on a spiritual treadmill and you're just walking back and forth. Uh, I turn the incline up a little bit, see if that works. Uh, I'll turn it down a little bit, see if that works. Uh, I'll turn, I'll raise the speed and see if that works. Uh, nothing's working. I feel like I'm still running in place, but God said, that's all right. Uh, I'm training you, Moses. Uh, I'm preparing you, Moses. Uh, I'm taking you through the tests and the trials of life. I'm watching how you handle every situation I'm watching your attitude I'm watching your conversations I'm examining everything in your life and I take good notes well they got an F on that they'll have to repeat that one but it'll be okay because next time they'll make an A not getting anywhere am I talking to anybody 
Anybody ever feel like you're not getting anywhere? You're not getting anywhere? Heaven has a plan. Heaven has a plan. And heaven has got the names of every person in this place written down. He's got your life mapped out. He's got a purpose and a plan. You thought that where you ended up was an accident. But the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And so God says... To get you positioned spiritually, I gotta get you positioned uh, geographically. And to get this going in your life, I gotta get this going in your life. I wish I had somebody that believed what I was talking about. I'm talking, I'm talking about exile to Exodus. They're not the same. He he was he was living in exile for 40 years because he killed a man. He made a heinous mistake. Anybody ever done that before? But your mistake does not disqualify you if you have a right spirit. It qualifies you because now you understand the forgiveness of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God and you will never trust in the arm of flesh because the arm of flesh will let you down. Moses knew better. He said, basically, inside of me is a killer. Inside of me is a murderer. And they knew it back then and he mentioned it to God and he said, Moses, let me tell you something, son. The people that have sought your life, he said, they're all gone now. And he said, you don't have to worry about who's going to receive you and who's not going to receive you. I'm going to do something through you that is going to be written down in the history books of the annals of time. And you thought that you'd just been tending sheep for the last 40 years. But I am about to blow the mind of the known world and the, and the victory that I'm going to give the people of God. I wish some of you would come to church right now. The victory that I am going to give the people of God is going to be a blessing to uh, future generations for thousands of years that believe uh, that they can't come out of bondage and they can't come out of slavery but if I have to bring if I have to bring the plagues of Egypt upon America, if I have to bring up upon the world, if I have to call men of God to stand before every Pharaoh in every government institution in the world, I am going to have the last say. The enemy is not going to be greater than my power, but I got to have somebody that don't believe that they can do it of their own ability and will rely upon my ability so I can transfer them from the rod and the staff of Moses to the rod of God what I feel in this place is a moving of spiritual authority I feel a moving I feel a moving I feel a moving of spiritual spiritual authority Why I, I, I'm not near done why don't you lift your hands for a moment here just, just for a moment just lift your hands for just a moment in the name of the Lord. Come on. Come on. Let, let it out. There's something trying to suffocate. I, I know you're weary. I know you're tired. I know it's a little warm in here. I know you're feeling a little lethargic. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I can preach. I got a lot of preaching, but right now, right now, the Lord's wanting to awaken something in this place. 
In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Please just stay with me. Please just stay with me. In Numbers chapter 12, Aaron and Miriam speak against Moses. Now, this, this is what the conversation sounded like, kind of, I think, paraphrasing. Why does Moses get to, why does he get to do all the big stuff? Isn't that what it sounded like? Why, I mean, why, like, I mean, we're, <laughs> we're, we're his siblings. Since he got this new position, he uh, I mean, he kind of thinks he's something now. And, I mean, why? I mean, I'm, I'm prophetic too. Why does? That's what they said, right? That's what it sounds like. Attack on spiritual authority usually sounds like ministry jealousy. That's, that's what it usually sounds like. Well, why? I mean, why, why do they get to preach there? Why? why? <laughs> I could preach better than them. Lord of mercy. I mean, Moses, Moses, he didn't, the guy can't even speak good. We've known that all of our lives. Poor Moses. That's what it sounded like. And the Lord heard it. You'll never have spiritual authority until you understand spiritual authority. You'll always think that you have a say-so about things that are only in the mind of God. And this is what it said. Now the man Moses was very meek. Above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spoke suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam. Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. Aaron, Miriam, it was real easy to be critical from outside the tabernacle. But we're going to handle this at the door of the tabernacle. What you said outside the tabernacle, we're going to handle it at the tabernacle. Because I'm bringing you to the place of established authority. And the Lord came down on a pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle. Can you imagine? Now Moses' response, now it's been 80 years more. He's meek. He's meek. 
that's not someone that kills people. Something has been squeezed out of him. He's not the same man anymore. Are you hearing me tonight? If you got to go, you can go. We got exits. He had, he had things squeezed out of him. And he was meek above everybody on earth. And so his response now to the attack on his leadership is very different than what his response was in Egypt. Because now he doesn't join God's side. Now he becomes the intercessor. And it's like Jesus on the cross, Father, forgive them. For they know, because Moses understands spiritual authority now, where he didn't, he didn't 40 years ago. He, he didn't understand it, but now he understands it because it's flowing through him, and it causes Moses to tremble every time God does a miracle. And it causes Moses' heart to palpitate every time God, am I making sense here tonight? It causes Moses to, to just shake and tremble under the power of God every time that's true. He knows now what God's authority feels like. And when God identifies what Aaron and Miriam had done, Moses now goes before the throne of God and says, hold on, God. They didn't know. They don't know what I know. They didn't have the revelation. They didn't stand at the burning bush. They hadn't seen what I've seen. They didn't feel the authority moving through my life. They see me as just a brother. They see me just like Jesus in Nazareth. They said, isn't this him? Didn't he grow up among us? Wasn't he just a, a, a carpenter? But you've got to understand when a spiritual authority comes on a person, they can't help who they are and they can't help how they react to things going on in the spirit and when you understand it you'll always be afraid to touch it but if you don't understand it you'll criticize it you'll attack it and you'll, dem you'll demean it positioning those in authority Cannot listen to slanderous words. They have to let God listen. They have to let God deal with it. Which is a scary thing as a pastor. Because the pastor knows if they reject my words, they're going to have to encounter God. I'm here as the buffer between them and God. I might hurt their feelings. But God dealing with you is a whole lot worse. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to mess people up in here tonight. I'm just trying to give us an understanding. In Egypt, he was trying to preserve his life, but now he's trying to preserve theirs. And so this spiritual authority that is going to come on the body of Christ is going to happen with individuals. Individuals. He's... He's not going to do it for those that have trouble coming to church. Coming to prayer. Can't pray. Carnal. He's not going to do that. Well, I'm a part of greater faith. I'm a, hope. I'm a part of hope. I'm a part of LC. I got spiritual authority. You ain't got nothing. If you don't have a ministry before the throne of God. 
If you've not been on holy ground before, if you hadn't been in the awe and the reverence of God till you realize I got to take my shoes off. I got to, I'm, walk, I'm walking in a place where I had never walked before. Until you get to that place, it don't matter who you're tied to. It don't matter who your preacher is. It don't, it don't matter who your friends are. It don't matter how you surround yourself with 300 prayer warriors. But unless you have a ministry before the throne of God, there is no spiritual authority coming to your life. And you will always fear the devil's attack. And you will always get depressed at the, at the devil's attack. You will always worry about the devil's attack. But when you have spiritual authority, you just understand, hey, devil, you're stupid. Greater is he that's in me. You're, you're a devil. You're a dingbat. What, what did you say? You're going to go get bigger devils? Matter of fact, why don't you go get ten bigger ones? And God will still back me up. What would what, you say? You was going to get a legion? That's all right. Go ahead and get a legion. Uh, because the God of the universe is on my side. And God will back me up every time. How do I know that? Because I've stood before a burning bush. And I have heard the voice of God coming from the throne of God. And I've seen the fire. I've seen the bush on fire. But it was not consumed. You don't know what I've seen, devil. So go ahead. God is going to back me up. God was taking Moses from exile to an exodus. The purpose of ministry is not to preach good. The purpose of ministry is to bring people out of bondage. The purpose of ministry is not for people to sing your praises and people to pat you on the back. The purpose of ministry is so that the prostitute that is enslaved by her Childhood where she was molested and raped her entire life for the drug addict was fed drugs and cigarettes and alcohol by some foolish mom and dad that insisted on them having it at a young age or they got around the wrong crowd because mom and dad wasn't home and somebody grew up in bondage. We don't need limp-wristed apostolics to pull those people out of hell. We need a Moses in our generation that'll say, I have been to the burning bush. I have seen the fire of God. And that that you're after is not Nothing compared to what God is going to do in your life. God is trying to call us to an exodus ministry. Now I'm going to tell you something. One or two is good. One or two Bible studies is good. But God went in there with one man and said, I'm about to rip Three to four and a half million Hebrews out of the clutches of the most wicked man on this earth. A man that has beaten them with rods and has kept them in slavery and has rationed their food and has told them there's nothing beyond the borders of this land with one man. I'm going to send him in with my authority because I have given him the revelation that I am that I am. I'm going to move my people out of bondage. I'm here to preach to you tonight there's a harvest coming uh, but it ain't going to come until the people of God are willing to be prepared for what God has promised would you clap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise mercy. Do you feel it in this building? Mm. Mm. 
I got a whole lot more to preach. I really do, but I think the Lord has reached for whoever he wanted to reach for in this building today, and that's the, tonight, the hungry, that's the hungry, that's the hungry, that's the hungry. He's saying, you think your life doesn't matter. You think you've been treading water. You think you're not getting anywhere, but every prayer meeting, I have heard you. I have watched you. I've seen your steps. I have watched you tend the sheep. I have watched you go through the mundane. I have watched you be faithful in every scenario. I have watched you handle disappointments. I've watched you go through the trials. I've seen the ups and downs of your attitude and your spirit. I have seen and thought, heard the thoughts of your mind. I understand where you are and what you least expected. You and I are going to have a holy convocation on the backside of some desert somewhere and nobody's going to even know what happened to you for a little while but when you come out of there you're coming out with a revelation that I am that I am I am coming to that I am about to put something on you that is going to make hell tremble I am going to put something on you that is going to bring the sinner out of darkness and the backslider out of their degradation and demoralization is there anybody in this place right now that said, Lord, I've been in exile for a long time. I don't even know who I am anymore. I don't even know if my life matters. But tonight, I'm getting ready for an exodus because there's people in bondage that are depending on my anointing. They're depending on my mantle. They're depending on my mandate. They're depending on my ministry. Is there anybody in this place tonight that'll say, God, I'm going to stay in the preparation. I'm going to stay in the forming process. I'm going to let you cut things away from me that need to be cut off of me. Praise somebody. Praise somebody. Praise somebody. Oh, praise somebody. Praise somebody. Praise somebody. Yeah. Here it is. Cheers for the taking. Where you at, Moses? Where you at, Moses? Oh, hallelujah. Take your shoes off. Not literally, but spiritually. Take your shoes off. And say, God, I'm, I'm going to stand on holy ground. I'm going to stand on sanctified ground. I'm going to stand on the, on the ground of separation. I've got to be sanctified from the crowd. Yes! it come on the day-to-day -day struggles they don't amount to anything the enemy's trying to make them look like something big in your life and God said you don't understand I know you're lonely in Midian I know you feel forsaken in Midian but I'm developing you I'm changing things in you that you don't even realize I know you don't even want to admit what I'm doing in your life but I am transforming you. I'm transforming, I'm transforming, I'm making, I'm making, I'm preparing. 
preparation, revelation for the sake of participation in the ministry of God and the kingdom of God. This doesn't have to be a loud prayer, but it needs to be a deep prayer. You don't have to be shouting to the top of your lungs, but you need to have your spirit wide open. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Yeah. Crowd to him. Lord, I felt like a, for a long time I'd just been in exile. But the Lord is using your exile to prepare you to bring an exodus to his people. In the name of Jesus, oh God, we're not afraid of being alone. We're not afraid of the sacrifice. We're not afraid of our uniqueness. We're not afraid, oh Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray to God. Somehow this is resonating with somebody. Don't stop praying, but I'm going to tell you what the Lord is looking at right now. He's looking at people that are out of position in the body of Christ, trying to figure out how to get you in position. And he can't get you in position until he can get you submitted to spiritual authority. He can't do it. He can't do it. Don't stop praying. He's troubled about people that don't understand spiritual authority because he knows he'll never be able to put it on your life until you understand it, until you've encountered it, until you're willing to be accountable to it and submit to it. He, he can't do it. In the name of Jesus, come on. Your flesh wants to run rogue. Your flesh wants to try to hide from your mistakes. Your flesh wants to try to build on a foundation that God hasn't laid. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, just keep the cameras rolling if you would. Keep the cameras rolling if you would. In the name of Jesus. Kayala la mandaya sataya. Ola manda la masaya. 
In the name of Jesus. Oh, Rebecca, my sire. Oh, Yalalan Mandaya. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With every hand lifted right now, Father, I am releasing something on this building right now to every person that will position themselves to be in alignment with their Heavenly Father. Not my will, but thine be done. In the mighty name of Jesus, oh God. I want you to receive it right now. God's going to pour it on you. He's going to pour it on your head. It's going to run down through your body. You're going to feel it running down and settling in your feet and knees. In the name of Jesus, oh God, I release something. I release an apostolic anointing on this place. I pray that you would draw people around the throne, draw them into a ministry. Not a cookie-cut ministry, but positioned in the body of Christ. In the name of Jesus, solo bacandala mosea. Ayalamanda bohorebesena kayatayandola mosea. In the name of Jesus, oh God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, oh God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, just receive it, please. Just receive it. Jesus. Jesus. Oh God, I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. Educate us, Lord. Train us. Train us. Train us. Train us. Train us. 